I'm loyal to technologies and people who actually want to make a difference in the world. So whatever that is and whoever that is and wherever that is, that's where I'm going to focus my attention on. Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from their biggest struggle to the exact strategies they use on a daily basis. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen on. Here's your host, Eric Sue. Before we jump into today's interview, if you guys could leave a review and a rating and also subscribe as well, that would be a huge help to the podcast. So if you actually enjoy the content and you'd like to hear more of it, please support us by leaving us a review and subscribe to the podcast as well. Thanks so much. Okay, everyone. Today we have Amir Rosik, who is the co-founder of Block Geeks. He's a serial entrepreneur, marketing expert, and investor. And actually, if you check out his YouTube channel, he's got a lot of videos around the world of cryptocurrency, marketing, entrepreneurship, and more. Amir, how's it going? I'm good, Eric, man. How you doing, brother? Good, good. Good to have you, man. So why don't you tell the world a little bit about kind of who you are and uh, what you're up to nowadays? Yeah, my background, like you said, serial entrepreneur. I got the bug for business at a young age. I got kicked out of high school, actually, in grade nine, never went back and been doing businesses ever since. And a lot of failures, a lot of successes, a lot of lessons, you know, smiles and frowns and ups and downs. And uh, in the last couple of years, got really involved in the blockchain space. Previously, before this, my last company was in e-commerce in Hong Kong in clothing. And then around that time, I was trying to look for a new exponential industry to enter and a good friend of mine, Dimitri Buterin, his son Vitalik Buterin, came out with uh, the Ethereum white paper around that time. And exactly around that time, I was introduced to a bunch of other Bitcoin companies because we're from Toronto. And I don't know, for some reason, it's a hub spot over here. Uh, you know, Ethereum's from here. You got Peter Toff from the Bitcoin team over here. You have Hyperledger over here. You have, you have, it's, it's a good epicenter over here. So there's a great community. And then I, I was blown away by the technology that blockchain promises, not just from Bitcoin, because when I first got involved with Bitcoin, I, was, I understood it, but I wasn't really deep into it. And I really didn't understand the overall compassing uh, power of the actual underlying technology. But when I did, then I'm like, I have to be involved. And then we started Blockies because I realized that there's a lack of developers, lack of talent, lack of resources to train regular people such as myself. Like when I got into the space, I'm like, where can I go to learn about this? Like Reddit. I'm like, I'm not spending time on Reddit. That's a horrible place. So here we are, you know, it's been about a year and two, three months. Block Geek's been around. Uh, we're one of the fastest growing websites. We focus on educating developers, whether that is Solidity, Hyperledger, Bitcoin, and uh, really excited about the space. And uh, as you're aware, the space moves a million times faster than any other space. Awesome. Yeah. So, you, I mean, we can we can effectively say that you're part of the Ethereum mafia. No, I, I would say I'm very I'm very bullish on it. I think the technology is amazing. I think Vitalik is one of the brightest people in the world. Uh, I know a lot of people, a lot of the co-founders from it, but I, I'm I'm bullish on the technology. So I'm agnostic. I don't have any let's say loyalties. I'm I'm loyal to progression. I'm loyal to technologies and people who actually want to make a difference in the world. So whatever that is, and whoever that is, and wherever that is, that's where I'm going to focus my attention on. Great. And that's what I'm most excited about. It is the underlying technology. It's not so much, oh, investing and speculating and, and looking at the, trying to capture the, you know, the growth rates right now of, of the actual, I guess, the cryptocurrencies. So, I mean, what are the implications around business when it comes to blockchain? It depends. Like, it's a hype right now. I'll be honest with you. Even though the market cap, the total current 
crypto market cap is roughly like 160 billion dollars as of today this recording uh bitcoin is all-time high it's past 5100 us which is crazy and at this rate you know who knows maybe in a couple of months we'll hit 10,000. that was everyone's prediction too around springtime 2018 will be 10,000 us uh the issue right now is we're still in the stages of protocol building meaning building the internet layers of blockchain and we're about maybe two three years still in this process of building out ethereum building out bitcoin building out side chains building out all these other protocol layers to handle the necessary load and the businesses and the transactions that we need to build actual businesses on it and the issue today is people who are let's say looking at this jumping in the ico bandwagon and trying to raise tokens uh, they're focusing on building maybe third level fourth level structures on top of ethereum uh, or on top of whatever blockchain they want to focus on and these icos aren't really capable of scaling they're not really adding any value towards the ecosystem from a technological aspect they're just raising money for the sake of raising money so i think we're going to see a lot of companies burn uh, no different than the dot-com boom and bust, no different than any other startup. The only difference is this gives liquidity to people globally and the speed of which is happening is much faster than anything else we've seen. So I say we're going to have very a lot of interesting stories in the next two, three years. But out of the ashes, obviously, we know Phoenix rises. So we're going to see amazing innovations in the next two, three years. And I think as business owners, as marketers such as yourself, we are going to have to ask ourselves hard questions and that is, what are the new models? You know, uh, right now we're in the experimental stages of figuring out these new models, traditional models, for example. I'll give example of the internet. When internet came out, old retail businesses tried to apply the same business model on the internet. And it wasn't until e-commerce came around and SaaS models came around and even, uh, you know, AdSense models came around that we discovered new online business models for scaling. We're at that same stage again where we need to experiment and figure out what are the new models because the whole essence with blockchain technology is it removes middlemen. So if you think of any business transaction you and I do today, and majority of these businesses are rent-seeking businesses, meaning you know we use YouTube because it offers distribution for us. YouTube makes money off of us. It's rent-seeking. It, Amazon could be rent-seeking just because we use Amazon and because they have distribution, they take a percentage of our sales, right? So rent-seeking businesses, they are in trouble because with blockchain technology is a peer-to-peer decentralized platform especially if it's open source where nobody owns it and everybody's just putting code into it, that changes the whole paradigm of business. It's like, what is the business model then when there when there is no rent-seeking type of model? So we have to start thinking outside the box and start experimenting with very difficult questions and asking ourselves, what will be the new business models and what are the necessary tests and experiments we need to do in order to figure this out? Yeah, so an example of this in play, because let's just meld tech and, and, and marketers, I guess. You know, you look at a... Let's Let's look at Medium, for example. Now, instead of people buying ads or people selling ads, things like that, I can just go directly to you and say, hey, you pay me a microtransaction of one penny or 10 cents for reading my article. Is that an example? Yeah, pretty much. Like, And I'm glad you brought up Medium, too, because they had a big failure with their uh, ad, ad platform. It wasn't a success. So they're trying to experiment right now with their $5 a month premium plan for people to have access. And through my sources, so I might be wrong, but through my sources, I've heard their collapse that we have right now is actually test ground for some potential crypto tokenization mechanism in the near future. So imagine you're right. I mean, imagine you are a medium instead of like marketers working with medium and paying and then medium paying you, you as a content provider can actually say, hey, I'm willing to do X, Y and Z. Here's my cost. Me 
as the business looking to promote myself, I directly go to you. Uh, so it's a peer-to-peer, one-to-one transaction. So the question is, how does the media make money? And these are these are tough questions we need to answer. Maybe you make your own decentralized crypto and use it in Medium. Or Medium creates a, a premium service for content creators that content creators use, or a premium service that, uh, let's say, businesses use. So I'm not too sure. Like these are still questions that we need to experiment, and we need uh, we need to, let's say, scientifically look at and, and figure this out on a large scale as well. Got it. Now, just so people can understand this more, just so it can become a little more tangible. I mean, what are one or two blockchain projects that you're really excited about? I'm still ex- Ethereum's one of them. Uh, you know, Bitcoin is a king. How about like like a DAP? Cyber Network's really good at decentralized exchange. I think exchanges are a big weak point in the space because it is centralized. It's controlled by people and it can be shut down anytime. And if your business model is token appreciation, that you're hinged on exchange. If exchange delists your token and shuts down, your whole business shuts down. So imagine like you and I having a stock on whatever the NASDAQ or the New York Stock Exchange and the New York Stock Exchange decides to delist us. What happens to our stock? It plummets. It goes down the drain. It's no difference in the, in the crypto space. So decentralized exchanges, identity management. Uh, so I really like what Cosmos is doing as a sidechain network, as a spoken hub network. Polkadot looks really interesting. Just interviewed one of the co-founders of a decentralized open source peer-to-peer lending service for both fiat and crypto called Bloom. That looks really interesting. How does that work? So think about this. Imagine if you want to just lend somebody crypto, but instead of having FICO scores, you're going to have a real-time variable social signaling based on what the community determines on, as actual real data as opposed to what FICO considers. So FICO has arbitrary, uh, let's say, metrics. Metrics can be like, for example, you can't spend more than 30% of your line of credit or you got to pay back your visa in X amount of time, yada, yada, yada. But those actual metrics don't really prove back the credibility as either the person receiving the funds. So instead of having that model, imagine you and I are part of this decentralized network where the community itself figures out through, say, you know, semi-AI or oracles, uh, we actually figure out proper social signaling mechanisms to figure out what type of social behavior you are as a human being. And that social behavior is actually a much brighter and much more accurate signaling factor into the likelihood of you paying back those loans. On the second front, why it's really cool is think about all the people who have crypto that have no use case for it. Like 99% of tokens, what are people using for? Speculation. That's it. Mm-hmm. They speculated on it. You know, the Bitcoin, Ether, Litecoin, Monero, there's like maybe maybe four or five actual cryptos that people use it on a daily basis for an actual specific or multiple specific needs. And a lot of a lot of people maybe sitting on a couple of hundred dollars or a couple of thousands of dollars of crypto and they're looking to make some money off of it. So there's going to be a big loaning opportunity uh, for people globally. So I think that's pretty interesting. And the fact that it's open source also, it's more in favor to me as opposed to a closed centralized system controlled by a few people. Got it. Awesome. Yeah. So for those of you that are, you know, you, you, you might feel like this is going over your head right now. I highly, again, highly recommend checking out blockgeeks.com and also checking out Amir's channel. There's just so much to learn right now. And it's still very much in the nascent stages. I was telling Amir, I was at a, at a blockchain conference earlier this week. And, you know, it, yeah, it was a pitch fest. Everyone was talking about their ICOs and we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But at the same time, you know, going there, understanding that, damn, I don't know anything is pretty amazing to me because, you know, I'm, I'm excited about the underlying technology, but still, I don't know anything at all. But Amir, before we jump into BlockX, final note is, you know, what is, I guess, what is an ICO first and what, what is all the hype behind it right now, these things? 
Well, ICO stands for initial coin offering. The first ICO was Ethereum itself. So Ethereum raised money via Bitcoin and they raised $18 million in roughly 42 days. The ICOs today, people are using Ethereum's platform for the most part, 99% of people. And they use a coding system called ERC20. So they use a bunch of you know smart contracts on Ethereum to create their own token, not a crypto. So before we continue, I want to state there is a difference between a Bitcoin and there's a difference between, say, an ICO token. Bitcoin is an open source, decentralized crypto, not controlled by anybody, that runs on a specific consensus model called proof of work. A token is built on top of Ethereum that the people who have the token can implement any consensus, any token model, and any token allocation mechanism they want. So consider them like the Federal Reserve System, where they can do whatever they want. So basically what people are doing right now is they're doing these ICOs to raise a shit ton of money for their weird projects, and 99% of these projects are absolute garbage. And uh, it's being fueled by a lot of greed, and a lot of speculators are going in, and don't get me wrong, a lot of people are making money, but a lot of people are getting burnt at the exact same time. However, what we do see right now is, I see it's a good opportunity to learn from ICOs. And I think ICOs are revolutionary. I think we're gonna see an evolution to crypto equity, crypto dividends, better liquidity, better control mechanisms for both investors and entrepreneurs. But we're in the wild, wild west stage right now where, fuck, man, you and I, sorry for swearing, but yeah, no you and, if, if you and I literally said, hey, you know, Eric and Amir are doing ICO for this new, interesting blockchain, AI, mumbo jumbo, I guarantee you will raise $20 million. That's how crazy the hype is today. That's scary. And you know, it's funny when we met up in Toronto, we had a, we had a guy with us that wanted to do an ICO and you, you turned him away from it. So what was, what was the logic behind that? Okay. So first of all, not all businesses need a token. It's very seldom that your business needs a token. So tokens solve a specific problem. Blockchain solves a specific problem. It's not, you know, people say blockchain all things. No, no. Remember, blockchain takes a middleman away. A token for utility serves a specific problem. For example, the, the crypto Ethereum, it serves a specific utility for, for gas, for calculations, for transactions, etc. Uh, Bitcoin is a utility of stored value, etc. So what's the problem is people are fabricating make-believe problems, creating these tokens that serve no utility whatsoever in the ecosystem. It does nothing. So people are giving money to these ICOs. The token, they don't use a token on a daily basis. The token doesn't do anything to business. And basically what everyone's doing right now is they're buying more tokens for arbitrage to buy more Bitcoin or Ether. It's a race to the bottom. Literally, if you look at ICOs, it's going to be a race to the zero. They don't do crypto economics properly. So crypto economics is a study of cryptography, mathematics, social psychologies, economics, all put together to figure out what is a proper consensus mechanism, consensus model to create a, an, an online cryptocurrency that actually has longevity, has use case, has more input values as opposed to more output values. So the issue right now, people are just throwing up make-believe white papers saying, hey, we're raising a trillion fucking tokens and we're giving it away for 50 cents to everybody. And, you know, people jump on board, they might make double up their money and they just liquidate their token. If everybody goes to a website called Wooble, W, I think it's W-O-O-B-U-L-L, let me double check. Yeah, it's, it's W-O-O-B-U-L-L. So what he did is he plotted more than 200 tokens the last six months. And uh, what you see is literally, except for like, and, and he doesn't name names, but except for like the decentralized cryptos like Bitcoin, Ether, Monero, et cetera, you literally see every token rushing to the bottom to zero. It's, it's a race to the bottom to nothingness. Wow. So uh, just final question around ICOs. I mean, when let's say I buy into an ICO, let, let's say you launched a mere token and I buy into it, right? What am I getting exactly? Nothing. 
You don't get equity. You don't get dividends. You don't get rev share. You don't get IP rights. You get nothing. You get you get you get literally nothing. There you go, guys. You're gonna make believe stories saying this might be worth something in the future if all you guys decide to use it. Yep. It's, it's scary, man. Anyway, I mean, we can go on and on about this. I'm so curious about this space and, and you're so knowledgeable. So uh, I do want to talk about BlockGeeks. So, so what is BlockGeeks exactly? What do you guys do? And then how's the business going today? Yeah, man. So we started about, well, let's say, let's say a year, like a, a year would be official. The main thing we focus on, we train developers. There's a lack of developers in this space. And that's another issue with the ICOs. At the top, there's maybe like 500 legit full-stack blockchain devs and people who really understand crypto economics. There's maybe like 20, 30 human beings globally. So we focus on online training. So if you're like a JavaScript developer or a Python developer and you want to learn about Solidity or Hyperledger or smart contracts or oracles or security audits or understanding ICO white papers, we do online training. And we also do job placements. So a lot of freelancers around the world want to work with amazing startups around the world. So we offer job placements as well. And on the flip side, too is uh, we help with enterprises and non-technical. So even if you want to learn about it and you're non-technical, we do offer enterprise online learnings. And then on the side, we have an online educational uh, resource. So basically, if you're looking to learn blockchain from the beginning, we have free guides that you can go from step by step. Like we spend a lot of time and effort putting these guides. And so I highly recommend anybody who just wants to get in the space, whether you're a techie or non-techie and you want to learn what is blockchain, what is crypto, what is Ether, what is all these crazy things that Eric and Amir is talking about, I would start there. Got it. Okay. And where? what was the impetus for this idea? It was my own pain. So after talking to a bunch of Bitcoin companies in Toronto when I was marketing for them, figuring out my next move, I was trying to look for my own resources to learn about this space. And everybody kept on telling me, go to Reddit, go to Stack Exchange. I'm like, I don't like those forums. I don't like the fact that I have to spend countless hours going through the questions and answers to find one simple problem and I can't search it properly. And then obviously my background is marketing and content marketing. I'm like, no one has created one spot that's like just offers purely educational. And I was surprised. I was really, really surprised. Then I discovered that there's no training for developers. I'm like, where's all the developers learning about this? Then I'm like, that doesn't exist either. That's crazy. And my friend and my friend, one of my friends is a investor in, in Udemy. And I'm like, I can't believe no one's coming out with this for blockchain. I'm like, all right, I'll put it together. The rest is history. Got it. So, you know, question, I mean, people listening to this, you know, you talk about content marketing. When it, when this is such a nascent space, it's so new. How do you even find people to help you with content marketing when it's a new space? Oh, oh God, that that's that's a huge problem. We probably went through maybe like 20, 30 freelance writers to find at least two that we can work with. And we're still working with them right now. Uh, it's a real, real issue finding legitimate writers who are well-versed, who can write, and who could deliver on, on a timely matter. So it's still a pain in our ass. We're always looking for more people uh, because it's different. You have a lot of other blockchain websites and Bitcoin's web- websites. It's all news-related, right? Transcripts, news, hype, yada, yada, yada. For us, it's just all our content's evergreen, purely educational. We do no, no promotions. We do zero news. We do zero stuff about investing. It's like it's very, very educational. So finding these people has been a, a tremendous problem for us. But like you said, it's a new space and seldom people understand it at such a level and seldom people that exist to understand it at such a level and then to write about it. But we're always looking and if someone's listening to this and they think they can contribute to this and you can write both from a technical and non-technical angle, more than happy to speak with you. Awesome. And what are some numbers you can reveal around the business? Could be growth rates, traffic, whatever. 
uh, within a year, we're doing a million organic visits to Block Geeks off of Google. Wow. Okay. And that, again, I mean, it ties back to you know writing super epic stuff. You're talking a couple thousand words or so, and you know it's it's actually world class from what I've seen. Yeah, all our guides are minimum 2,500 words, edited. Uh, we spend a lot of money on custom images. Like we spend a lot of resources on these guides. So I would say from a marketing standpoint, quality over quantity, obviously you have to find the equilibrium for that, but also then understanding like marketing of that. It's one thing to come up with these like beautiful guides, but how do you market it? Where do you market it? You know, how are you doing for email list growth, et cetera. But if I had to summarize and look at my like Pareto principle, the 80, 20 rule, you know, I would recommend every business, regardless of who you are and what product or service you sell, really focus on building the best possible quality content out there. Great. Great. And then, so, I mean, business has only been around for a little over a year or so, and I guess we can talk about your broader business experience. Is there any one big struggle that you remember while growing any business or anything in entrepreneurship? <laughs> There's many struggles. <laughs> Tell us about one that you remember that sticks out. For me, don't go into business with family members. Tell me more. You know what I mean? Like, and even friends, even friends, family and friends. It's, it's one thing to be a friend to somebody and, or a brother or sister to somebody. It's a second thing to go into business and actually put each of your money in. And money changes people. It changes the paradigm. It changes, it changes the relationship. So I would say don't ever, ever rush into any business deal. So I'm a firmer believer now in the slicing the pie model by Mike Moyer, mm. where nothing is rushed in, where at the beginning, you guys have a contract, but the contract is an open variable contract where everybody tracks their inputs, uh, what they want to do. It's, it's very similar to like the OKRs and KPI model. So basically how it states like, okay, let's say Eric and Amir want to go into business and traditionally be like, okay, Amir put in 100, Eric put in 100, 50-50. We realize in a year we hate each other and now it's complicated. We're fighting over money. Everything's on a corporation, shareholders agreement. We've got to go to lawyers. We've got to spend more money. It's horrible. And I've been there twice and I never want to repeat that, that process as opposed to slicing the pie model where it's like, screw the incorporation, not even waste money or anything. Let's write down a simple contract where it states, okay, Eric's going in 50. I'm going 50. We're putting this money on the side, but this 50, 50 is not set in stone. This 50, 50 is based on what Eric agrees. He's going to input what I agree, what I'm going to input. And every single Friday, we go through the OKRs, we go through our KPIs, and we see if we are holding up to our agreements that you, as a partner, agreed upon. And then every quarter, we look at it like, hey, are we upholding our, our agreement? Is everything going well? What is the relationship to, to the business itself? What is the relationship to us? So we audit ourselves every 90 days. And through this audit, you realize certain patterns. You realize that what you said at the beginning may not be true in 90 days. So you can recalibrate your plan. So maybe in six months, it's not 50-50, you know, maybe I realize I'm not cut out for this or I can't really spend that much time as I thought I could spend in. So instead of 50-50, it goes to 70-30. Eric gets 70, I get 30. So the whole idea is you do this for about a year or two, kind of like dating somebody. You don't marry somebody within the first day, right? So you're, we're dating each other for like a year or two. Then after, after a year or two, it kind of equalizes into actually the relationship, how it looks like. And then from there on in, you can like issue shares, you can issue equity and start like breaking down, you know, revenue models, et cetera. This would be a really good decentralized app. Yeah, there's somebody working on it. So I'm still waiting on that. <laughs> cool. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll buy into that too. So, you know, before I forget this question, I just popped into my head. I mean, where else would people go besides Block Geeks? besides your YouTube channel, to get better at learning everything around cryptocurrencies? You talk about these white papers, things like that. Anything else people should be looking at? 
honest to God, my my problem at the beginning was Reddit. Like, if you want to spend time Reddit's Reddit, it's the best resource for like one spot for like all these different projects for everything. So besides Block Geeks, I would say Reddit and. Uh, Depending on what angle, like depending if you're coming in as an investor or as an entrepreneur, there's a, you know, I would look at what Naval talks about on Twitter. I would look at, uh, what's his name? Chris Bernsky, I believe his last name is on Twitter as well. Yeah. Berneski, sorry, Berneski. Cool. Yeah. So, you know, Twitter, Reddit, Block Geeks, you know, just kind of juggle around and see where you fit into the, the ecosystem, right? Everybody's different, whether you're an investor or an entrepreneur or technologist, et cetera. A couple more questions as we work towards wrapping up. How do you structure your day? Great question. I'm a firm believer in uh, in chunking. So basically, let's say right now, like I'm having this podcast uh, with Eric. I just had this. I had two podcasts before this. So every day is based on certain activities. Today is interview and podcast day. So that's all I do. Nothing else. I'm a firm believer that there's something called band, residual bandwidth, where if you're doing one task and going to another task, you you leave a small amount of your bandwidth in that previous task, and that destroys your willpower, destroys your creativity. It just burns you out. It's like gasoline, right? The more you use it, the more it burns out. So I'm a firm believer in chunking, and then I'm a firm believer in giving yourself space to breathe. So for example, I, I like sprints, three-hour sprints. Let's see what I can do in three hours. Then I take about an hour breather, then another three-hour sprint. So usually midday, I take a break. I go to the gym. I do some Muay Thai over here or, so, or some MMA, about like an hour plus, give or take. And then no matter what, once a week, I do nothing. I take a day off, no electronics, no nothing. So I'm a firm believer in, in that model, but then I'm also a firm believer in figuring out how you function. I'm a morning person, I'm not an evening person. I wake up at 5 a.m., I get to work right away. So I get a lot of done before lunchtime as well. And then more in the in the afternoon and the evening, my brain tends to be slower, and then I can focus on mediocre tasks that don't really take up too much of my brain power, right? So know yourself first, know how you're wired, and then I would really focus on chunking your tasks based on the priorities that you want them to be finished in. Love it. Yeah. Chunking is something we we do a lot of over here. Actually, today's my, my podcast slash interview today too. So I love it. There you go. What is one tool that you've added in the last year that's added a lot of value like Evernote, for example? For SEO, I said Ahrefs. I really like their tool. Mixpanel for analytics for, for our online courses for Block Geeks. Those are two of them on top of my mind I can think about. Yeah. Great. And how about one must read book you'd recommend to everyone? Seeking Wisdom by Peter Bevelin and Charlie Munger. Interesting. Okay, yeah, I was just going to say investing book, but obviously Charlie Munger. So, <laughs> all right. And final question, Amir, this has been great. What's the best way for people to find you online? Best is uh, Twitter, Amir Rosick, YouTube, Amir Rosick. You can email me, Amir with two E's, A-M-E-E-R, at blockgeeks.com. Awesome. So, yeah, guys, I mean, this is really rudimentary, like, you know, introduction to the blockchain, but it is going to have implications across the globe. I think it's it's really that big. So make sure you check out Block Geeks, check out Amir's YouTube, check out his Twitter as well. And we will see you in the next episode of Growth Everywhere. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Everywhere. If you loved what you heard, be sure to head back to growtheverywhere.com for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on next week's value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week, and remember to take action and continue growing.